Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome in, everybody. This is Gus Kearns. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at SDS Podcast, efficiency of keystrokes, of course. And you're listening into the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast team preview series. My co-host and I, Mike Randall, are previewing as many college basketball teams as kind of humanly possible for the upcoming 2018-2019 college hoop season. Every episode, we're going to be joined by a select beat reporter or possible insider to talk about that particular team, the coach, outlook for the season, predictions, and maybe some forecasts. In this episode, guess what? We're going to be talking my number one preseason ranked college basketball team, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. We were lucky enough to talk again with Jim Meehan from the Spokesman Review. Please give Jim a follow at S-R-J-I-M-M, capital S, capital R, capital J, lowercase I-M-M. He was nice enough to give us a few minutes and give us some insight on craziness in the kennel that just took place. So he was able to give us a uh, some review from the three-point contest and the dunk contest and, of course, the scrimmage that took place and just the vibe that takes place at that particular event, which really kicks off college basketball in a big way up in Spokane. We were also compared the 2017 championship game run team to this lineup. Is that a warranted comparison? Is it valid? We touched on that. We touched on a couple of things about the roster. Of course, we talked Rui. We talked Killian Tilly, one of my favorite players in the upcoming season. We talked about Gino Crandall and his possible eligibility status, where that stands. We also talked some Brandon Clark and a couple of other student athletes on the roster, of course. Talked a little schedule, and then we just talked prediction, you know? We, 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 we broke it down and said, like, hey, where, where do you think this might go? So the conversation with Jim was really rewarding. We hope that you guys feel the same way, and... Please enjoy. Cheers. Welcome in listeners to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, where we're going to continue our Screen the Screener team preview series. And we got a treat for you on this one. We've invited Jim Meehan from the Spokesman Review to talk some Gonzaga basketball with us. Jim, thank you for joining the podcast. And how are things going? Hey, everything's good out here. Just waiting for, uh, waiting for it all to get started. Yeah, I feel like this uh, this time period is just kind of a whole bunch of twiddling thumbs and making some guesses, so help us make some of those guesses. Do you think you can, uh, as we start our conversation with the Zags, maybe start with uh, craziness in the kennel, who shot the lights out in the three-point contest, who flashed in the dunk contest, and maybe give us like some insider buzz on the shh, secret scrimmage with Michigan State? <laughs> yeah, the the not so secret scrimmages that happen every every year right. now. But uh, uh, with craziness in the kennel, they uh, it's a, it's a, like a local phenomenon out here. There are six thousand people fill the stadium, fill the arena, I should say, mm-hmm. every year. Uh, they are in line probably by the thousands, backed up to the soccer field, backed up to forever on the north entrance. Uh, people just can't wait for the start of Gonzaga basketball every year and and they show up for what essentially is a three-point contest a dunk contest and a 15-minute scrimmage so uh shows you so it shows you the popularity and I think maybe reflects the expectations of, of this year where Gonzaga is kind of pegged as a top five team but in the event itself uh, the three-point contest was maybe the, the best thing of the night uh, Zach Norvell Jr. Josh Perkins, a couple of familiar names from last season, 
mm-hmm. uh, just put on a show in the final. Uh, and I, they, they're shooting at opposite ends of the floor, obviously, but the crowd keeps count on each section, keeps count of their, their makes, and they both hit 13 in about a 45-second contest. And the, the very last couple of racks of balls, it, I don't, I'm not sure either one of them missed, maybe one shot. So they went to an overtime, and, and uh, Norvell ended up winning it. But uh, the, the takeaway from that is that Josh Perkins had this uh, shoulder surgery on his right shoulder. Right. Uh, bothered him all year last season, and, and uh, so he had a long, slow recovery. And to come back, he's been practicing. He, he, he's not quite at full speed or strength just because he hadn't done much lifting. And the conditioning obviously is going to be off when you have to mobilize your shoulders. So, mm-hmm. uh, but he shot the lights out pretty well in that uh, contest. And he played all 15 minutes of the scrimmage and led his team in scoring. So, kind of passed his first real test with that shoulder. And and then the other uh, kind of it's not a breakout star because we saw it a year ago. But Brandon Clark, the transfer from San Jose State. Uh, he yeah. had to sit out last season under NCAA rules, but he won the dunk contest in craziness last year. He won it again this year. And then in the scrimmage, he uh, defended Rui Hachimura. And, you know, Rui is a, considered an All-American candidate and maybe a favorite to win the WCC Player of the Year. Brandon Clark did an outstanding job on him. He held him to four points. Brandon scored six or had scored eight points at the other end, six rebounds, he blocked five shots. So this is a really bouncy athletic kid that fits right in with the, the rest of Gonzaga's front line and gives them three of the best inside guys uh, with the versatility to go outside uh, that maybe right. there is in the country. So, uh, you know, they got through it without an injury. That is always Mark Hughes' biggest concern. And, and that, uh, and that happened and, uh, on the topic of Michigan State, uh, the Zags always play a, uh, a high-level opponent in the scrimmage each year. It's been Baylor. It's been Texas uh, through the mm-hmm. years, and this time it's Michigan State. And they, I think they, they do it for a reason. They look for something that they really want to work against or be uh, you know challenged by. And in this case, I would guess it's Michigan State's just that toughness, physicalness, yeah. and rebounding that uh, – you know, every Tom Izzo team seems to have. And, and uh, so I think that's probably the reasoning behind that scrimmage. And then uh, they ought to open the doors and let us in and see what happens, you know? That's what I, I hope it, you, you at least get to watch that. That'd be, if they're not going to let you in, who are they going to let in? Uh, they're not going to let, let anybody let's, let's, in. Those are the rules. <laughs> uh, I wish, I wish you'd get your eyes on that, Jim. Uh, all right. So you mentioned Rui. He's like the stud. He's the difference maker. He's the guy that's getting all the shine. He absolutely balled out on the global circuit with Team Japan over the summer. His skill set like kind of jumps off the screen. Mike and I, the uh, my co-host for the Screen Screener College Basketball Podcast, feel like he has a little bit of a Greek freak Antetokounmpo type feel to his game, maybe just not as long uh, as Giannis. Is it reasonable for everybody to place Rui as uh, an All-America and as – you know, the, like you mentioned, the, the the player of the year in the conference, is all of this reasonable and does all of it make sense? It, it is and it, and it does because he is a, a special athlete. He's about 6'8", 230, 235, very mm-hmm. strong, uh, mobile, great in transition, uh, really did a lot of work low uh, last season in the either low block or kind of the mid block 
10 feet out range, he'd catch it and, and do some work. Um, but uh, the, the caution is, is that, you know, he has to show a little bit more to the perimeter game. He did not shoot it well from distance last year, but he wasn't asked to. I mean, he was surrounded by shooters, Perkins and Norvell and Killian Tilly's the heck of a shooter. Um, So that wasn't, uh, you know, something he was asked to do all that often, especially when you're so effective at the other spots on the floor. So if he can add that part of it, and and he's done it in the past, he showed it in international play that he can hit from the outside, uh, even if it's just a 15, 18-foot jumper, not necessarily all the threes, but uh, I think that's part of his game that we haven't seen. It's in there somewhere, and if he can bring that out, um, there's really not much else missing in terms of the eyes of the NBA. Um, you know, and his progression. Uh, you know, he barely saw the floor his his uh, freshman season behind that really talented uh, Gonzaga team, and how far he came last year, just from the start of the season to the end of the season. Um, you know, he didn't start, and he became their, their best scorer and, and the guy they threw the ball to in the closing seconds of close games. That tells you how far he came last year. So if there's another similar progression for Rui this year, um, those numbers could be really impressive. Yeah, that sounds kind of scary if that's the progression and uh, the path that he's going to take this season. Oh, yikes. Look out, WCC, and look out, Nation. Look, you mentioned Perk. The first question I was going to have about Josh Perkins was, is he healthy yet? I mean, it seemed like he checked a lot of boxes in the scrimmage during uh, a craziness in the kennel. I, I think the biggest question about uh, Josh Perkins is, can he handle the load as the lone ball handler and offensive initiator? And I guess if you're going to have a fifth-year senior run your team that's a top five preseason in everybody's polls, like I guess you want that guy running the program, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think he's more than ready. There can't be many guys in the country with his resume at that position anywhere. I mean, you're talking about a guy who who scored 13 points in the national title game in the first half. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's going to be on every school uh, record list for, you know, for assists, steals, wins. He he probably is going to end up the, the winningest player at Gonzaga, which would make him the winningest of, of in NCAA history because I think Shemek Karnowski holds that right now. Yeah, Josh has played a ton of basketball. He's had his moments, uh, you know, and he doesn't hide from it where he's had some costly turnovers and, and those kind of things. But uh, there's been a ton of moments where he's just done the job efficiently, almost in the background as a pass-first point guard on some of their loaded teams kind of as a joint point guard or co-point guard with uh, Nigel Williams-Goss, who, who kind of handled the ball more often than, than Perkins. Uh, right. So he's kind of assumed several roles along the way, but uh, there's no question he's running the show again this year. He has done it solo in the past, and uh, that's got to be a source of pretty good comfort for a, a coaching staff when you know you've had a guy that's been in just about every situation you can imagine. And if he stays healthy – yeah, this should be a case too where, you know, right now, uh, Brandon Clark said he's maybe at about 85%. Well, if mm-hmm. Josh gets into the weight room, if his shoulder allows that and he gets his conditioning going, um, you know, you'll see a better version of, version of him as the season goes on. Again, that's also frightening if we're going to see a better version of Josh Perkins after 
like you mentioned, balling out in the three-point contest and playing really well in the scrimmage. I guess the next place we're going to go is one of his backcourt mates is Zach Norvell Jr. Is it crazy that maybe we should talk about him as getting some of these All-America accolades? Is he the player that's going to have the huge jump this season that no one predicts? Is it possible that the lefty might just be the best player on this very deep, very talented Gonzaga team? Not crazy at all. <laughs> I mean, there's okay. a lot of people who, who probably are in that camp already. And that's part of the, the thing with this team is, you know, I, I do some magazines work, uh, you know, covering mm-hmm. the WCC. And I think I had six or seven other guys on the top ten, the first team and the second team, all league. Uh, I mean, they literally have – you could rattle off almost a starting five that could be any one of them could make a case right. for being the player of the year or even uh, honors beyond that. I mean, Killian Tilly's projected as a first-round pick by a lot of exactly. people. Zach Norvell Jr. is well, – he was pretty much a breakout star along with Rui last season. I mean, he averaged yeah. 12, 13 points, and nobody hit more clutch shots for the Zags. and. And I'd be, uh, I'd wonder if there were anybody, you know, nationally who hit more clutch shots than Zach Norvell Jr. He has, he has what, uh, as a parent, you hope your children have, ultimate belief in themselves. And he, he says it. Everybody says it. Every player you talk to says it. But I think he, he truly means it and he shows it. I mean, he'll miss five, six, seven shots in a row and not blink and, and put up the next one and make it. And uh, so he's, you know, he's a, he's a, a very unique player for them and, and a very important player for them from that wing position because he's, he's a little bigger and stronger. He's a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, solid mm-hmm. build. Uh, but he can, he can shoot it from three. He can put it on the floor. He uses the ball screen very well, maybe as good as anybody they have, and he can create. And and those are things that uh, they don't have maybe a ton of, uh, but that he delivers. And if if the game's on the line, uh, he shoots it like he's playing in a Saturday pickup game, you know, down at the gym. He just has that belief in himself. So, no, I think Zach's in store if he, if again that progression from red shirt to, to to one of the best players in the conference. Where does he go this year? Um, you know, he could be primed for a big season as well. We talked about the loaded team. Let's talk about the coach. The coach is the one that puts us all together. And my simple question about Mark Few is, is he annoyed? Is he a, is he absolutely PO'd? Does he feel like that maybe it should have been the Zags that could have been in that championship game and not Michigan if it were not for the Tilly injury and a few bad bounces? Is he coming back this season feeling like, hmm, I could have went back and did the exact same thing and maybe won the whole thing, maybe not against that Villanova team. But is he annoyed, and does he feel like that it was like a missed opportunity last year and he's going to take advantage of that opportunity this season? Well, I think he, along with everybody else, is kind of wondering if that game would have been any different with, with Killian mm-hmm. Tilly. Right. Uh, Killian, Killian really started to find his groove later in the season last year, he, I think he made 12 or 13 threes in a row at the WCC tournament. So, um, yeah, we'll never know. A little bit like uh, the national title game. If uh, if Nigel Williams-Goss doesn't roll his ankle in the final Great point. 90 seconds. Great point. Um, 
that game go the other way because he was starting to heat up in the closing minutes of that thing. So I don't know if, if Mark's annoyed. Well, I'm sure he's annoyed. He's as competitive as it gets. But um, you just kind of want to go into into the fight with all the bullets, and, and he didn't have a major piece last season. And that team could not quite endure losing a, a, a starter and 25-minute-a-game guy like that. Right. Uh, but, you, I mean, Florida State was a very athletic, physical team played very well, shut down the Zags, uh, didn't score the ball very well against them at all. So uh, I think the way the last two years ended, um, you know, there, there's, uh, there's, there's probably uh, a lot of folks around here that think uh, the Zags very easily could have won the national title and at the very least got to that Elite Eight last year and take your chances from there. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel the exact same way. It's interesting to see if that's like a rallying point or something that gets reflected back upon maybe during a key practice or a key moment on the bench. Uh, but let's get to the team identity, team vibe. I mean, you mentioned all the bigs. You, Gonzaga always has a ton of bigs. They have bigs, will travel. Now, the past few years, they've invested in playing big. We mentioned Big Shem earlier. I, I don't know. What's going to be the chemistry? Ken, Tilly, Clark, Rui, all play together at the same time? Can all of these guys be housed in the front line and do their skill sets mesh? It seems like a very NBA-ish front line. So, Jim, maybe talk about how those three bigs that can all do amazing things, can all three of them play together at the same time? Well, I think they can. And you saw them do it last year with with Jonathan Williams and Tilly and Hatchimer. Right. Uh, In that case, you know, Killian was kind of the guy who floated outside and got some perimeter looks. Uh, Rui doing a lot of his damage closer to the basket. This year, very easily could see that. The the trade-off would be those three are proven. Those three are your guys. And do you really, you know, want to do it that way? Or do you want to start two of them and bring a fresh guy in at the five-minute mark and then uh, keep all of them in that 20 to 25 minute range that they love doing to keep them fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and you're one injury away from being pretty thin up there. So sure. uh, my guess is they will probably start two bigs together. But the, the thing they have that probably is the envy of a lot of programs is, is those guys are versatile. I mean, Killian Tilly is 6'10 and the best three-point shooter on the team last year, but he has a nice touch inside, a floater. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good nose for the ball. Uh, Rui Hachimura can obviously play at uh, various spots on the court. And Brandon Clark showed the other night guarding Rui. It wasn't only that. You know, the Zags run high high ball screen. He's able to switch and guard a, a point guard or a, or a wing like Norvell um, and stay in front of him. I mean, he's he's mobile enough to do that. So the, the versatility gives them so many options. You know, they don't get really probably caught up in all the numbers at a four or a five. Those guys, they play all over the court and uh, uh, can go inside and out. So about playing together, obviously Killian and Rui have played together uh, last year yep. and played well off each other, I would say, and that Killian, again, would be uh, the, the pick-and-pop guy in uh, a little high-low situation with, with Rui down low. So I know they can do it. That Brandon Clark is very similar to Jonathan Williams. He's athletic and bouncy, more inside oriented. Uh, you know, just not quite as big as strong, but he jumps. He jumps over the rim. So 
I would think the 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 match uh, of all three of them, uh, you know, give it some time with with Clark being fairly new to to games and such. But uh, I would think they would be able to play off each other very well. The comparison for Clark to Jonathan Williams, and I mean, if you're a, a Gonzaga fan, you you know how impactful Jonathan Williams was. That's a very complimentary comp there. That's speaking very highly. It, look, it wouldn't be a Zags podcast if we didn't ask you about Geno Crandall. Is he going to mm-hmm. get there? It sounds like he's pressing to finish up his workload so he can graduate and, and enter enter the university as a grad transfer during the October period. Is that going to happen? What kind of intel do you have for us here? And then if that doesn't, can like you know, can Corey Kispert help out here? Can one of the redshirt freshmen help out here? Like, what? Give us uh, your lowdown of that extra guard spot that Gino Crandall might uh, might be occupying. Well, Gino uh, is still finishing his schoolwork. Um, he, he's got to get his undergraduate degree from North Dakota. Um, the the most positive sign i guess uh was was mark few addressed it after craziness in the kennel that it it sounds like he's on track um and they're they're very optimistic he'll be able to finish his degree get enrolled for the they call it the b session of the graduate courses out here it starts october 23rd i've heard the best case scenario scenario is about uh, the middle of october or maybe uh even a few days past that that he could be on campus um, do we know for sure? No. I mean, I, I think it's yeah. he's still doing it. So there's no uh, there's no way to tell. But they, they like where it's headed. And there was a time about a month ago where they were very concerned. So, uh, And that is a huge piece. I mean, we talked about Perkins and Norvell. You've got Corey Kispert, who's a sophomore who played in 30 games or 35 games a year ago. and uh, But he's more of a wing. Norvell's more of a wing. Perk's really the only ball handler true point guard with experience they have, and that's where Geno Crandall could be a huge addition. Uh, He played point and combo wherever he needed to at North Dakota. He could score it. He could could create his own as well. You know, we talked about that with Norvell being able to create his own shot. This kid can do that. He's played 100 college games, so the experience and uh, depth and ball handling, all of it that he would add would be huge for Gonzaga. All Zag fans are kind of crossing their fingers on that, that that happens. And I think a bunch of people will have their uh, the, the date of October 23rd circled on their calendar to see if that happens. How about this? Let's take a look at the schedule a little bit. you got Texas A&M, Creighton, Washington, uh, Tennessee, UNC. You're not fooling around here with the schedule. Is this too much or is it just right for this particular squad, for this con- particular Gonzaga team that – looks like a top five team in every poll that you're going to look at across the nation. Well, I think when they, when they have what they feel is a really good team coming into the year, they, they try to step it up on the scheduling. And and even when they just have a team that maybe doesn't have all the the, uh, attention in the preseason, they still play a tough schedule, but this, this is a really solid schedule. I mean, A&M was in the sweet six, 16 last year and I know they lost a ton of guys but right um you don't know that when you're scheduling them necessarily either so Creighton was a nice team last year the Huskies Washington has been picked in the top 25 by several people and 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 a lot of people think they could win the the Pac-12 so Tennessee could be a top five team as well they were the shock of the SEC last year North Carolina is North Carolina and uh, we haven't even gotten to Maui, where they're going to play three right. high-level games. 
you know, they play in Illinois to start with, and that's not exactly a breather in an opening round. Could end up playing Duke. I mean, Arizona, who knows? So they they have a, a, a lot of opportunities, I, I guess is how you'd put it, to uh, – you don't have to win all those games, obviously, but if you uh, take care of business uh, and, and win the right ones, uh, you know, and, and don't stumble where you shouldn't, that's what puts you in position for a, a one seed or a two seed or one of those spots where uh, realistically you should have a, a, a pretty good matchup in the first and second round and, and, and uh, kind of get on your way to making that uh, March push that they're trying to do. Uh, and it, it, even more important this year maybe is that they're really heavily favored in the WCC. Been yeah. a lot of years where St. Mary's was uh, – was uh, right on their heels, and BYU is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no real clear-cut second pick. I think it might be St. Mary's, as I read more in the preseason. I, I had thought it would be BYU, but San Diego and San Francisco are going to be in the mix. But they're yeah. probably not going to get challenged quite as much as they usually do in, in conference. And, of course, as I say that, I'll be probably dead wrong here in about three months. But that's the way it looks right now. <laughs> I agree. That is the way it looks. And you never know with one of those kooky road games, like right on the West Coast Conference. You like you roll into San Francisco and they hit 15 threes on you. Look out, right? (laughs) That's right. I've seen it. (laughs) Uh, Exactly right. And they can really shoot the ball. All right. Let's get you out of here on this one, Jim. I I know you're not in the prediction business, but is this team good enough to make another Final Four? Is this team worthy of all the preseason hype that they're getting is is this Zags team as special as that Gonzaga team that had made the championship game and came so close to winning a national championship well I don't know about comparable with the 2017 team that was on paper you just can't really draw it up any more perfectly than personnel and how it turned out and how everybody meshed and played so Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of this is warranted this preseason. I mean, they've got three great uh, inside guys. Uh, you don't expect them to, to regress, and all three of them have had huge success already. Uh, you could have four very capable perimeters uh, if Crandall is eligible, you know, with right. Kirk, with uh, Norvell, with, with Kispert. A uh, kid we haven't talked much about is Philip. Petrusev, uh, he's a 6'11 freshman. He will be their fourth big now inside. A lot of potential. It kind of fits that mold of Gonzaga players, 6'10, 6'11 international kid who can play inside and outside. So mm-hmm. that was the formula in 2017. They had four real nice perimeters, four real nice bigs, rotated them all through. Rotation was set, uh, worked to a T. But this group's got to do, do go through all that. They've got to find the chemistry, who fits where, how to play off each other and, and do those things. So, but there are, you know, there's, there's question marks, health, Josh Perkins got to stay healthy. They really yeah. all have to stay healthy because they kind of get a little thin in a hurry. If uh, somebody were to go down, how good a defensive team are they going to be? I don't think good there's question. too many issues as far as scoring the ball, a lot of options, uh, pretty good three pointing, uh, three point shooting team, some low post game. But how are they going to be defensively? They lost Silas Melson, and they lost Jonathan Williams, and that's their best inside perimeter, and that's their uh, defender, and their best uh, outside 
guard defender in, in right. Silas Nelson. So can can they find uh, the guys to fill those roles? Uh, Brandon Clark is probably the the guy who will be most like Jonathan Williams. Uh, but that's they, that team in 2017 was excellent defend, defensively. This team has to to find its identity there. So uh, to answer your question, they they have plenty of talent, plenty of ability to make a Final Four and and go beyond. But they have to meet some of those qualifiers we talked about, and and if they do that, could be another special year. That's what we're rooting for out there. I hope that you guys have a special season and something that you guys can celebrate and rally around. Jim, we just want to thank you for jumping on the podcast. And if you're not following Jim on Twitter, you can follow him at S-R-J-I-M-M, capital S, capital R, capital J. Uh, and again, Jim, thank you for a couple of minutes on the podcast. And we're just going to say go Zags and hope you enjoy the season out there. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, listeners, that was Jim Meehan, beat reporter for the Spokesman Review on Gonzaga Bulldogs. And let's just take a moment here to talk a little bit about one of the sponsors and dive a little deeper into Jim's conversation and talk about, you know, some WCC predictions and so on and so on. But before we do that, I just wanted to remind you of my bookie. Ever since Mike and I started the podcast, a number of different people, whether it be in person, whether it be on Twitter, whether it be via email or or any other form of communication. Hey, who do you like in this game? Hey, what do you think this is going to what do you think is going to happen? And we're just going to let you know that as important as who you think is going to win, it's important to bet to know where you're putting your money down and where you're betting. And we're going to direct you in the direction of my bookie. My bookie has been really good to us. We really trust these guys and they're one of the best in the business. We'll give you a couple of reasons why. They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile app is really agile and really f- user-friendly. Lay down a little bit of money with my bookie today, and you can win big. We would only recommend this to the listeners because it's been pretty good to us. I've laid down a couple bucks. Mike have laid down a couple bucks, and they've paid out absolutely immediately. That's why we're urging you to make your way to my bookie. When you win, they pay up. They got some cool in-game betting. They have uh, in-game wagering. They have some of the most rewarding player perks in the business. And you can even bet on like some fantasy football player over under stuff if you're a football guy on the weekends. I mean, that sounds kind of amazing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to take some action. Support the podcast and join my bookie right now. And they'll match your deposit in your account dollar for dollar. If you use the promo code SDS, efficiency of keystrokes, of course, to activate that order. So go ahead and visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code SVS when creating your account at checkout to claim that dollar for dollar bonus. Listen, you're feeling good about a San Francisco game at home because you think they might be a home dog? Yeah, you heard it here that they may get that opportunity. And guess what? You can make some easy money with my bookie if you're looking at a late night hashtag basketball narcolepsy game. So when when you play, you win, you get paid with my bookie. Just want to toss out a final thank you to, to Jim for joining us. He's always so cool to talk to because he's so down to earth and he just gives it to you straight and he does not hide anything in the conversation. He just tells you exactly what his eyes saw, 
whether it be in Craziness the Kennel or on the practice floor. So please give Jim a follow on Twitter at S-R-J-I-M-M, capital S, capital R, capital J, if you please. And, and if you're taking a look for a closer look at what you can read on uh, Jim's work, please visit the Spokesman Review. Uh, that's what we do as well. We take a peek there and see what Jim's up to every so often. So thanks to Jim. He's always so generous, always so kind. And So let's just review a little bit of the conversation that we had. Number one, I think we have to talk about Brandon Clark guarding Rui in the scrimmage, right? That sounds like the most athletic matchup that there could be in the country. And maybe one of the most intriguing matchups that we could have in the country, maybe aside from Cody and Caleb Martin from Nevada, or maybe if, uh, you know, uh, Guy and Jerome were going to match up at, at the UVA scrimmage or something along those lines. Maybe a Reed Travis-Washington matchup at Kentucky. But those two guys doing battle with each other, like on the practice floor every day, that's got to make both of them better. He heard Jim talk about how Clark seemed like he was super switchable. If he's switchable on the perimeter and then can drop down to the block and do his thing as a shot deterrent and block shots because he had a school record at uh, San Jose State with, uh, I think, over 70, almost 80 blocks in a season. If he can do that work on the perimeter and then drop down low and still make an, you know, have an impact down there, then not only is he going to meet the simulation and the comp that Jim talked about with Jonathan Williams, who is now playing with the Lakers and looks like he's going to be a rotational player with the Lakers and, and make that roster. So if you're going to make, if you're going to replace a play, an NBA player that's going to play on the Lakers with LeBron James, and replace him with a quasi more athletic player? Holy cow, are you joking me with that? That sounds like an unbelievable luxury for Gonzaga and sounds like Mark Few is just kind of saying thank you, thank you, thank you and being like, I didn't know if we could replace the cog and the glue and, and, and the grit that was Jonathan Williams, but it seems like we might have a guy in Brandon Clark. So I think that's the first thing that we want to talk about. Second thing I think we want to talk about and review on this a little bit is how about Zach Norvell Jr.? The fact that he has this like utmost confidence on the floor and is maybe one of the chattier guys and turning into one of the vocal leaders on the floor. Yeah, I kind of like that. As much as we love the, the, the forecast that Rui's getting for some first and second and third team All-America uh, accolades and Tilly with his unbelievable accuracy from three-point range in the WCC tournament and then the unfortunate injury that happened in the in the NCAA tournament and his, you know, his first-round NBA vibe that's happening. I'm with Jim on this one, and I think that Norvell Jr. just might be their best player when we look at the end of the season, which is scary. If you're going to have two NBA first-round picks, and then you're going to add Norvell to that, and he's going to be more productive than those two players, oof, that sounds a little nutsy, a little crazy, and I think that puts them on par with any team in the country, whether it be your Kentucky, whether it be your Duke, whether it be your Kansas, whether it be any team you want to throw into that equation. Period. Stop. End of sentence. Right? That makes sense? And then I think, I think the, the last part that we want to reflect, reflect back upon with the conversation with Jim 
is the Gino Crandall situation. And that really is the part of why I place this team as my number one team coming into the season. If you can have a point guard like Josh Perkins, who's a fifth-year senior point guard, and you heard you heard Jim say it, he put up 13 points in that championship game against North Carolina. So it's not like he's scared of the big moment and doesn't know what to do. He's got this down. If you can have him run the point with Geno Crandall riding in the sidecar, riding shotgun, and you can have two stud veteran point guards that have been through the ringer in one way or another. We talked about Geno Crandall and how he got his team to their first NCAA bid in the championship game when they were down seven with a minute to go. And Geno Crandall made all those plays and won that game. We talked about how Josh Perkins has been through every situation that you could absolutely name in the college game. We hope that Perkins comes back for the season healthy for that WCC uh, conference run. And then we hope that Crandall is eligible during that grad school period in October so they can have both of these point guards do their thing and be trusted with the ball in crunch time and decision-making time during a tight game, whether it be before the WCC conference gets started, like we mentioned those games against Creighton, Washington, Tennessee, and UNC. Dang, they're just not fooling around with that schedule. They might even get Duke or Arizona, depending on the draw and their tournament out in Maui. Like, that is crazy. So imagine if you can have two trusted point guards and you're not just tossing it to a freshman and hoping his talent wins out. Not only are Crandall and Perkins, like, veteran and have been through the, the wars, they're also talented. Like, it's not like these guys don't have like that burst of speed or can can threes. You heard Jim talk about how how even though Perkins isn't 100%, he showed out in that three-point contest. That's crazy. So if those two point guards can work together, or those two lead guards can work together, that's why I have this team as my number one team preseason. So let's just get into a little WCC breakdown uh, really fast before we close out the podcast. I love doing this like conference breakdown after the conversation with our college basketball uh, beat reporter or insider for that uh, matter. So let's just go right to the first team. And and the first team is going to be no real surprise for me. I'm going to put Rui and Tilly right on that first team. I think that makes sense. I also am going to put Yoli Childs from BYU. The guy might average a double-double for uh, BYU. He's got a decent supporting cast around him. Nick Emery looks like he's going to be eligible again. He averaged over 16 points a game as a freshman. And then you got TJ, uh, TJ Hawes who's a great shooter that had a bad season shooting the ball last year, but I think he'll you know, come back to the norm and maybe have a corrective year this year and shoot the ball a little bit better. I'm also going to put Norvell on that first team. I mean, just hearkening back to the conversation, not even five minutes ago, he could be the best player on this team. I'm putting him there. And then I guess my one surprise or reach or whatever you might want to call it is Jordan Rotino. I'm going to put Rotino on from San Francisco because I'm a little bit higher on them than a couple of other teams in the conference. And I think if you're going to pick one player from that particular team, I think you're going to pick him. He had 86 made threes last year. Uh, He has some length to play on the wing and match up against other teams' wings. He can shoot it with anybody in the conference. Stop, end of sentence, done. So I think if we're going to pick somebody from out of the norm, I know we don't have a St. Mary's guy on there. I know you can put Ford 
I understand that. I know you can put, um, I, I, I get that you can maybe take somebody from San Francisco, uh, San Diego, maybe Wright or Pinero. I, I, yeah, I, I know, but I think that's my five. I'm going to go Rui. I'm going to go Tilly. I'm going to go Childs. I'll put Norvell Jr. And then I'm going to go Rotino from San Francisco. And as far as how the, you know, how the conference is going to break out team wise, I think obviously it's Gonzaga and then kind of everybody else, like very large gap. I'm going to keep BYU at two, like we mentioned with the, with the roster. Uh, I think Childs has a chance. He has a legit chance to be player of the year if Rui, Tilly, and Norvell kind of cancel each other out. I think that makes sense. I don't think there's anything crazy about awarding player of the year to a guy that averages a double-double on a second-place team that might get an NCAA bid. I'm okay with that. That sounds okay. Again, Emery comes back and is eligible. He'll have to sit out the first, I think, nine or ten games to serve his suspension of why he was dismissed from the team in the first place. And then you have Hawes outside as a shooter. Uh, I think he'll shoot it a little bit better this season. So I, I believe it's, yeah, again, it's the Zags and then BYU 2. I'm going to put San Francisco 3. I think Ferrari, uh, like I told you about uh, Rotino, I, I think uh, Charles... Uh, Charles Midland, and then I think Matt McCarthy. I think he's the key. If he can stay out of foul trouble and continue to give the Dons the performance that he gave them when he was in the postseason last year and at the end of the WCC uh, season last year and average close to a double-double and be that difference maker in the post and in the paint and just kind of mix it up and do some of the dirty work for all those great shooters. And we talked about Ferrari and Rotino and Midland. Like, all those guys can shoot it over 38% from three. I think Kyle Smith is moving things in the right direction. And don't don't forget, this team beat Nevada on a neutral last year. So that they have that in their back pocket as well. And that was like one of those games where you're like, oh, man, is Nevada going to get an at-large bid because they lost that game to San Francisco? And then San Francisco actually ended up playing pretty well the rest of the season. So I think they take that next step as a program. So we'll review with uh, Gonzaga, BYU. I got San Fran number three. I'm going to put St. Mary's four. I know that Jordan Ford is going to shoot a lot of threes, and they have two seven-footers on the roster. I, I, I know that you know Coach Bennett is going to do his thing, and they've actually scheduled up out of conference this season for the first time in forever. But I think it's like a year too late. You would have loved to see the St. Mary's team play that schedule if they have this year, last year with the roster they had, you know, with the All-American Jock Landell and, and Hermanson and 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 Nar like that. That would make su- that would, that team was loaded and was so efficient offensively. You would love to see them play and have some of those opportunities. So I'll keep them four. I'll put San Diego at number five. They were nine and nine last year. I like Isaiah Wright. I like Pinero on the wing. You know, I think Sam Skull is the new coach. I think he's moving things in the right direction. I think it's hard to get movement. I think he's getting a little bit of the needle moving in the right direction. Right after San Diego, I have Portland. Terry Porter has a really cool situation. He gets coaches two sons on the team. I mean, that, that that's really cool. Uh, and I think Jacob... Tyron, the seven-footer who can shoot some threes, is really interesting on the Portland roster. I'll put Loyola Marymount next. They have four starters returning. James Bateman dropped 24 against Gonzaga. Like so, they do have some players, but those same players had similar results last year. Do they improve? You want to see that? Santa Clara, I have after them. KJ Fagan could sneak in for one of those first-team positions. I know the WCC does like a 10-person team. Uh, we don't. We're sticking to five. But he averaged 17 points and four assists. 
I think that kind of makes sense. And there's two other starters on Santa Clara. How about Pacific? Love Jarrell Tripp, and, and he, he is an unbelievable player and plays the game the right way, but they lost a lot to graduation and a few uh, grad transfers as well. And then I think Pepperdine, I think you're just going to say Coach Romar, get it right the second time around. You know he's going to get players in. I think Colby Ross, the sophomore point guard, is worth paying attention to. But I don't see them really moving the needle in his first year. Maybe second year, third year, I can see them kind of making the jump and maybe being up in that top four or five range. So just to review, Gonzaga, BYU, Saint, uh, San Francisco, St. Mary, San Diego, Portland, Loyola Marymount, Santa Clara, Pacific, and Pepperdine. The first team probably will look something like Rui, Tilly, Childs, Norvell, and Rotino from San Fran. Uh, again, we just want to say thank you to Jim for giving us a few minutes, and uh, we're going to ask some pleases and requests for the podcast. Please. Give the podcast a follow on Twitter at SDS, Efficiency of Keystrokes, of course. Please give Mike a follow on Twitter. Mike is entertaining, educational, and a riot all at once at Randall Rant. You'll really enjoy if you hit uh, follow, the follow button on uh, uh, Mike's uh, Twitter account. Please take a look at the YouTube channel that Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast has up. You can go to YouTube, punch in Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We have a number of preseason ideas. We'll take a couple of uh, elements from these conversations that we've had uh, with our beat reporters and insiders. Put that out there for you guys in a very consumable format. Please go ahead and subscribe. Hit a couple thumbs up, comment, You know, get involved in the community as you see fit. We're also going to say, please don't forget to give the podcast a kind review on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast consumption vehicle might be. We'd love to get a couple of more reviews up before the season starts. And listen, this is the only way that we get to battle the big boys. This is the only way we get to battle ESPN and CBS and, and, and these other podcasts that have this you know major league backing. Listen, this is just Mike and I busting our hump here. And the way that we're going to, you know, at least hold ground with those big boys is from the help of you guys out there, the listeners, and the way that you can help is by putting a nice review into whatever your podcast consumption vehicle is. So we're just going to say thank you ahead of time for that. And then the last please that we'll ask is please take a look at Patreon. If you're really enjoying what you're listening to, especially with this team preview series that Mike and I are pulling together for you guys, take a look at Patreon, punch and screen the screener college basketball podcast, and see if you'd like to support the podcast in that fashion. We have a number of different levels that you can support the podcast at. The top level, you get an extra podcast per week, and you get some merch, as my daughter likes to say. Daddy, you got merch for your podcast? I said, yes, cutie, we got some merch for the people for the podcast that are you know part of the family. She's like, oh, that's really cool. Those guys are going to really love that shirt, or girls in this matter, because my daughter is a baller too. Uh, so please don't be afraid to support the podcast that way. And if you're just going to go down to the basic level, there's a very simple $1 per month support level as well that if you just want to pitch in that way, Mike and I will be totally thankful and just say like, wow, that's cool that somebody wants to be part of the family that way. So listeners, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you before you know it. Trust me on this one. We just want to say arigatou, gratulatia, salasha. Side. It's a scene in the